In season three of the Culture Gooder podcast, we're doing a deep dive into each of our 12 teams, or as we call them, flocks. In today's episode, we're talking with Sarah, the leader of our DC team, or in layman's terms, the distribution center. This flock's nickname is the Rack Pack. Get it? Because, you know, everything goes on a giant rack. Anyway, running your own DC is really hard for a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons is it's infinite, meaning it never ends. And it gets really, really repetitive. Sarah and the whole team do an amazing job at keeping things fresh and inserting fun wherever they can. Whether that's happy hours or having an actual Mario Kart style track set up in the DC. Shh, don't tell anybody. And it has resulted in our DC team having some of the strongest connections with each other. One thing Sarah has taught me over the years is the importance of in-person energy. Even in a mostly virtual world, we still need people to be in person. And when you show up in person with energy, you create more energy for everyone around you. Let's talk to Sarah. This is Culture Gooder with Stephen Lees and Sean Tinney. Each episode this season, we're talking to a different flock leader of the Gooder team to give you a more in-depth look at how we status the quo challenge. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Heck yeah. All right, let's get things started with some lightning round questions, huh? Sounds good. Cool. So is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? No, absolutely not. I have to agree with you. Especially not now. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) In the COVID era. Oh, man. How about your favorite holiday? St. Patrick's Day. Though, to be honest, Christmas is pretty magical at my house. Both green themes, so it kind of works. Yeah. All right, music-wise, pop or indie? Gotta go pop on this one. I love a good song I can dance to. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Cake or pie? I'm gonna go ice cream. Yeah. (laughs) Cake and pie are fine, but I'm an ice cream person myself. Maybe you don't know the game, but all right. (laughs) Hey, it could be an ice cream cake, Stephen. You don't know. Yes, that's the best. Ice cream cake is the best. (laughs) Although ice cream pie, I don't think that's a thing. Hmm. New business idea for anybody who's listening. Take that and run with it. All right. What's your spirit animal and why? My spirit animal is the lioness, specifically the mama lion. I have two kids. I love how prides raise their cubs all together. The female lions all work together to help each other out. I've certainly relied on lots of mothers throughout the years to help Mm me. And also female lions are the hunters and I can take my claws out when I need to. Girl power. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) That's awesome. All right, Sarah, what's the two minute version of your journey to Gooder? Oh, goodness. So immediately before coming to work at Gooder, I was raising my kids. But before that, I've worked as a data manager for a defense contractor, uh, customer service for a small business, a consultant for a personal care products company. We are a military family, so we have moved around a lot. I've moved my family across the country seven times so far. Maybe have a few more to do before he's done, but that's been a lot of my sort of journey before coming to Gooder. And how did you hear about the brand? What led you to kind of apply? Yeah, so actually a good friend of mine introduced me to the brand. He got a pair of, I think, Whiskey Shots with Satan pretty early on. Yeah. And he let me take them for a run. And I, of course, loved them. Jumped on and ordered six pairs, I think. (laughs) And I was a little bummed. They did not arrive in time for my first marathon I was running that year. So all of my pictures are ruined from that marathon. I'm wearing some horrible pair of sunglasses. It looks terrible. So not many people see those pictures. But then in 2017, we moved out to Southern California, actually a few weeks before the cabana opened. 
And so my husband and I went to that opening party. We, you know, went for a fun run. There is actually a picture. Stephen, you're in it. I have it. I'll have to show it to you sometime. Oh, man. Yeah. So we went to that. And I mean, I came home with, you know, a dozen more pairs and decided this is a company I could really enjoy working for. So just kept looking for job openings and finally found something. What year did you start? When did you start at Cutter? I started in 2018, April of 2018. That's a uh, 25 years for like in good years. <laughs> exactly. You're like a lifer it's, at this point. <laughs> it's dog years. Legit, it's seven years. So it's 21. You just got your 20 year anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're obviously here kicking ass. Can you briefly summarize your role for our listeners? What's your lame title? What's your real title? What are you up to? Yeah. So my lame title is the distribution center and warehouse manager. But my real title is dancing queen of the lagoon. <laughs> Love that. You get your own uh, emoji on Slack, pretty much. I do. <laughs> yeah. Just so everybody knows, we refer to our office as the Lagoon, and our DC and office share the same space. So we're in Inglewood, so we have a huge DC with office attached to it. So we're very fortunate that we all get to like exist in the same space, which is kind of rare. Yeah, and I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So what's your Flux lame name? What's the real name? You know, then at a high level, what do they do? What are your values? Yeah, so my flock is the distribution center, but our real title is the Rack Pack. Nice. Yeah, and at a high level, we really handle everything that comes and goes from the lagoon, you know, receiving a full container of sunglasses, organizing that, getting it QC'd, getting it up into storage, and then all the way down to packing all those orders and getting them shipped out the door. That's awesome. How many orders did the team ship out last year? Last year, we shipped out over 434,000 packages. Yeah. That's just <laughs> FYI. And then what are your team's areas of focus and like the blunt descriptions? So we have five areas of focus for my flock. Shipping and receiving, which is pretty much as it sounds. <laughs> Ship out orders, receive deliveries. Organization, maintaining a really clean and safe workspace. Teamwork, work together to move that product in and out of the warehouse. Cohesion, which is really communicating back with the other departments, the other flocks, and making sure that all that information is going back and forth the right way. And then DC culture. We provide a really fun and safe workspace specifically for the DC flock. Yeah, I mean, because inside of COVID, you know, your team has been the one who has had to be in. No other team, you know, some of the teams at times, but... Mm -hmm. And so... I'm constantly impressed with how you've kept your team together and connected in this time. And so it really makes sense that culture is an area of focus for you. Yeah, it's actually been kind of fun to build that culture up, especially over the past year. But definitely looking forward to having people back in the building. For sure. I mean, just before we get into these other questions, uh, maybe you want to talk about Mario Kart? Oh, Mario Kart. Yeah. So we (laughs) are known to have some fun out in the warehouse space and we have set up a couple of different courses for tricycle races yeah we have we yep. have like adult tricycles <laughs> yep so we basically have a mario kart course yeah in the dc at from time to time and there's not from one there right now time. yeah yeah <laughs> they have their own special parking spaces <laughs> that's awesome there's a photo floating around of everyone dressed up in full-on mario kart costumes like everybody <laughs> from wario to mario <laughs> yep and everything in between yeah <laughs> That was for one of the gooder stocks, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We all dressed I was up. Like, was yeah. that just like a Tuesday or was that a gooder stock? <laughs> <laughs> and then before, so Sean, let's you and I, should we shoot for the questions? Uh, well, real quick, I think we breezed over your flocks values. Can you talk us through those? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, my bad. 
Oh, yeah. Our Flox values are teamwork and responsibility. Teamwork because one person can only pack so many boxes a day. And reliability. We want our customers to get the orders as they expected. That's fair. (laughs) Cool. Before I ask this first question, I do actually want to ground people in the DC journey because I think it's quite fascinating of where we've ended up. So starting 2015, shipped out of mine and Carrie's downtown LA apartment and then couldn't handle that. Rented like a weird ass storage space kind of in downtown LA that we stored stuff at. And then we got the cabana, which is 800 square feet in Playa del Rey. And it was our office. We shipped out of there. And then we started renting warehouse space from a third party kind of down by Long Beach. That was 2017. Then 2018, we get the hangar. It's 6,000 square feet. It's by LAX. And we thought we made it. And we were still renting warehouse space. And it was a fucking disaster. Like We couldn't get product fast enough right. And we realized we needed to get a space that was big enough so we had control over everything. And then we went to, you know, 30,000 square feet where we're at now, where we can receive containers, we can store all of our own product. And so you've been there basically from Cabana on, right, Sarah? Yeah, that's right. And it is a wild journey, but I just want to ground everybody in this. You know, you don't need a giant warehouse to start. We started shipping out of my downtown LA apartment. (laughs) Then we got a storage space, then 800 square feet, use third parties, 6,000. And so... I want to, Sarah's going to get here and talk about, you know, 400,000 orders we shipped last year. It was, you know, 20 orders a day for a year. (laughs) So I just want everybody to understand their trajectory. So with that being said, do anything to add, Sarah, there with the trajectory or your journey? No, that you summed it up pretty well. It's been a crazy ride and seeing us grow from that cabana to the hangar to the lagoon. It's just been amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the cabana, we used to have to like stack all of our boxes and like put them in the back of my car because we didn't have like recycling and I would legit, (laughs) this is no joke, I would legit take them and put them in the recycling bin at the Ralph's by my house on the way home. (laughs) Yeah, that that, that would just happen. And the best thing is, I have to tell the story, is now Gooder is on the box, but at first like my name was on the box. And so I always imagine somebody be like, sir, you can't dump your belt. I'd be like, these are mine. It's like, your name's on the box. I'm like, what? <laughs> Someone just shows up at your door with this shitload of boxes. Yeah. Like, hey, here you go. I would you just pull these. up behind the Ralph real quick, like open up my back, throw all the stuff in and get out and go. <laughs> so, all right. So with that being said, what's your team structure, roles, responsibilities? How are you all set up? Yeah, so I hold the flock leader role. And in this role, that's where I'm ensuring that the DC team is upholding our brand vision, our behaviors, all that good stuff. Additionally, I hold the role of DC lead, and that's really just looking at the day-to-day activities. How are we going to get orders out the door? What are the things that need to happen on a day-to-day basis? And then everyone on the team holds a DC team member, and that is at its root, just really making sure that orders are out the door timely, (laughs) as fast as we can. (laughs) Picking, packing, having fun. Exactly. (laughs) Nice. Right on. So you kind of threw out a couple of numbers here, but can you give us some high-level stats on all the orders that flowed through the DC over the past year? Well, like I said, last year, 434,000 packages, and that is just packages. That's a single sunglass all the way up to orders that are hundreds of units. Mm -hmm. And our busiest month last year was June, and we shipped 62,000 packages that month. Ooh, The summer in the DC, it is quite impressive to watch you almost feel like you need like a shamu splash like poncho to be in there just because like so much is going on during that Mm -hmm. time it's yes it's a lot of controlled chaos (laughs) (laughs) like to a point where we were super dialed for black friday cyber monday this last year and 
because it because the summer is so much more chaotic than the holidays. And I kind of walked in. I'm like, are we doing well? I'm like, oh, we're doing we are doing well. It's just the summer is the hectic time, not the holidays, which is kind of a, a shift for a lot of retail businesses. Yeah. What's the busiest time of year for the DC? And then how do we manage staffing? Like, how does this work? And, you know, what are some lessons throughout the years? Yeah. So like we just mentioned, you know, this, this late spring into summer, that's definitely our busiest time of year. Every year, though, it seems to be moving earlier and earlier. The busiest month moves earlier and earlier. In 2018, it was August. That was the month we shipped the most. 2019, it was July. And then last year, it was in June, like I said, with those 62,000 packages that we shipped. So we'll see what May looks like this year, but uh, we're ready for it. And staffing, gosh, always a challenge. Trying to balance having enough people in the space to get the work done, but without being on top of each other is hard. And last summer, we actually hired some seasonal roles just to get us through that summer rush. Yeah. And were you doing that again this summer? We are. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Getting some more, some more seasonal help in. It, it's a great add to the team and it worked really well last year. Yeah. Like DC and customer service and like our revenue numbers are, are basically the exact same. It's like really low in January and February starts to go up slowly in March and April jumps up over the summer, drops back down in September, October, November, little blurp and then do it again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lots of ebbs and flows, but yeah. We love it. <laughs> when do you take your vacation, Sarah? I usually take my vacation over Christmas time. I yeah. take a nice long break and get out of here and go ski or do something. So Nice. Awesome. So that kind of covers the seasonal ups and downs. We talked a little bit about the move from, you know, Stephen's apartment to the 30,000 foot lagoon here. But can you talk us through what it's like to run a team or the ways that you've had to adjust as a team through each of those points of growth? Yeah. So as we've grown and changed, you know, over the years, there's definitely been some different needs and and shifts. And one of those things came about, I've started a morning meeting called the Flamingo. Mm -hmm. So every morning at 8.15, we come together as a group, we stand around a whiteboard, we share our daily number, we talk about any issues or changes that have come down, possibly, you know, customer service concern that we need to look at. We review our daily roles. And then we also do fun things like who needs to order lunch? And <laughs> one day we give out gold stars to each other. And one day we do an icebreaker. And that really started as that team grew. And I needed to find a way to make sure that everybody was getting the same information because we're packing boxes and moving things around. Slack is not always the fastest way for my team to get information. So mm. we use this morning meeting as a way to share information and then, you know, we go to Slack and, and support what we've covered. And it's become a real good foundation for the team. And, you know, to the point, the fact that if someone comes in late or if they miss it or if they're, you know, delayed by a few minutes, you know, it's a pretty quick meeting. And so if you miss that, you're really playing catch up for the whole rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Were there some big like plateau moments where you're like, OK, we need some other kind of system here? Or what were those points of growth? Yeah, so we had some part-time employees working for us pretty early on that, you know, were only in the building a couple of times a day. And I came to realize that they were missing out on some information. Mm -hmm. And so doing this morning meeting really set the tone for the whole team. We also found that without sort of the morning meeting and describing what roles we're going to have for the day and whatnot, that some people were doing the same role for weeks on end. And 
Folding boxes is, while sometimes it's fun, (laughs) you know, sometimes that can get a little tedious. And so that morning meeting became a great time to really rotate those jobs and make sure that everybody was doing all the different roles within the the department. Mm -hmm. So Sarah, so you started in 2018, Cabana, it's 800 square feet. How many people were working shipping at that time? Was it just two? I was number three, actually. So Yeah. yeah, yep. Nicole, Kyle, myself. That's right. Yep. All right, so three, then we, that's 18, and then 19, we moved to the hangar, 6,000 mm-hmm. square feet, and how many people did we have there in the D.C.? So we had myself and Kyle, and then we had two part-time people, and we brought in three, initially we brought in three more full-time people. Got it. So for a total of five at that point, and that quickly went to seven. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then now we're at how many? Oh, we're at... 15, including yeah. my part-timers. <laughs> Got it. So just so everybody kind of understands, 800 square feet, three people, 6,000 square feet, seven people, 30,000 square feet, 15 people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically 18, 19, 20. Yep. <laughs> when should a brand use a 3PL versus do it in-house? I think a brand should definitely do it in-house when you really want to cultivate every part of the experience. We put so much work into our launches and so much energy around everything that we put out that having that DC in-house allows us to really have a part in that whole experience. It helps us to solve problems on the fly. There's something that's delayed. We can super easily make a shift. You know, if something needs to get shipped really quickly, it's super easy to walk out there and say, hey, you know, can we get this out the door? Can we have this arrive on time? Whereas if you're doing it using a 3PL, that might be a little harder to make those changes. Yeah, I mean, it is one of those things that we've never used a traditional 3PL in domestically, but we've had, you know, third-party... I guess, you, I guess we kind of did use a 3PL for our B2B stuff early on, and it was the amount of time we spent managing the 3PL, going back and forth and getting stuff, was all-consuming. Oh, yeah, it took up a lot of time. Yeah, I'm sure there's great 3PLs out there. We've just never experienced them. So you can spend your time (laughs) managing them or just manage your team and do it the way you want to do it, huh? Exactly. Yeah, cool. All right, Sarah. So you've talked about the Flamingo a little bit here. Can you just like do a mock meeting for us real fast so people can understand, you know, what, what are you talking about? What are you focused on? Yeah, sure. So as we gather together, the first thing we cover is how many orders are in the system. I think today it was around 3,500. So we talk about number of orders in the system. We run through any of the launches that are coming up. If any of those launches have comp product, we will you know, mention if customer service is seeing any sort of issues coming down the pipe. We'll make sure that my team knows all of that. And then we'll go around the circle and talk about our daily roles, what we're doing for that day, whether it's printing, picking, packing, box restock, processing returns so that everybody's on the same page and everyone knows what's going on. And then we'll cover today we did gold stars. So we handed those out to people in the team. And then that's really it. It's a really quick meeting, but it's a really good grounding point for us. Awesome. I know uh, Jason created the Flow Migo. What's the deal with that role? Yeah. So the Flow Migo is someone who is also generally helping to pick orders for that day. But their job is to really 
keep their eyes kind of above everyone else and just sort of see where things need to get redirected. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to kind of tunnel vision when you're when you're working out there. Um, and sometimes we need to just redirect you into something else or, you know, shift gears. And so every week we rotate that flow Migo position too. And someone is responsible for just, you know, keeping everything flowing as it were. <laughs> Bird puns for the win. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Tell the listeners about your red flag protocol. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and how it came to be. I actually love our red flag protocol. It's one of our sort of accountability tools back to the rest of the company. And basically how it works is I keep track of the age of the orders in the system. If those orders remain in the system at the end of the day and they're of a certain age, that triggers a couple of actions on my part. First... I have to post to our all-company announcement thread our order status, tell the whole company exactly how many orders are in the system, how old they are, and then I set up an 8 a.m. meeting the next day with a handful of flock leaders where we talk about how do we get here, what steps we're taking to get out of red, is there anything other flocks can do to help out, and then we set a goal of when we're going to get out of red flag. And this cycle just continues as long as we're in red, as long as those orders are of a certain age, this cycle continues. And it's just painful enough that it really (laughs) helps to get us out of red flag quickly. Yeah. And, and, you know, for the listeners, it's not a micromanagement tool. It actually kind of came about because DC's dying last year. And why didn't we know about it? And this really is like, oh, we don't have a system to call this out to get help. Because there's so many levers we can pull. We can not do a promotion that week. We can allocate resources. And it's been eye-opening. Like Since then, we have it for customer service. We have it for our launches. We've, we've adapted it for most flocks. Yeah, it's actually really great. I think initially I was a little hesitant to use it, but I really embrace it. And it's great for the team. And it just, like we say, it just puts everything right out there on the table for everybody to see. When's the last time we went into red? Uh, last week (laughs) (laughs) but we got out of it in a day so got it oh man that's i know after having watched those a few times that's a real quick turnaround to get back into green yes (laughs) Uh, yeah it was good and that was the first time i had issued one that early in the season Mm -hmm. well i know that's in large part due to just the way you run things in general but the organization of things in the warehouse itself has got to play a part in that Can you talk about how you organize the warehouse now that we're 30,000 feet and 15 people? Yeah, well, and it's funny. We just did a big reorganization out there, but we organize things basically by velocity, right? So the things that are going to move out the door the fastest, those are right up front. So we can get to them really quickly, get them out the door. And things that move a little bit slower are a little bit further away. You just don't need to reach them as often. So you can take a few more steps to get there. But we're always looking to be as efficient as we can. Try to move in a circle, move things through the warehouse in one direction. So they come in one way, work their way around in a circle and go right back out the door. Hmm, cool. I love that circle mentality. It's a seemingly a small thing, but if you're always moving in a circle, you're saving so much time and energy not going back and forth. Yeah. We've done a few tests of how many steps we've taken during the day, and it's just outrageous. I think one day Kyle walked 10 miles. 
Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> I, yeah. I believe it. I believe it. I mean, I've gone through different in times of like tracking steps and the days I have to like walk from the office to the DC just a couple times. I'm like, oh, that number gets up high. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's that far, but it's a big building. It is. <laughs> and that's why we have giant uh, adult tricycles. Exactly. To get back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> Channeling my Dan humor here. It's like either your day is spent just running around in circles or if it's going really well, we're running circles around all these orders. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) How is the DC flock different from other flocks? We're different in a bunch of ways, actually. You know, for starters, we're in the building every day. You know, it's really hard to pack orders from your house. So we're here every day. We're not actively on Slack throughout the entire day. Like I say, because we're moving boxes, we're packing orders. We check Slack a couple of different times a day, whereas other team members are on Slack the whole day. We're also not necessarily attending a lot of meetings or building a lot of decks, whereas I know a lot of other flocks, you know, spend a lot of time in those things. We do have lunch together most days. We get to chat, connect, and sometimes we'll even meet up on the weekends and go for a hike or a bike ride. So we're very close in that way and a little bit different than some of the other flocks. For sure. I mean, don't a group of you ride your bikes in every Friday? We do. Yes. Friday. It was a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. But yeah, we do that on Fridays. We meet up uh, for coffee at a local coffee shop and then ride the rest of the way in together. And that's been a great Friday. Looking forward to warmer weather and being able to get some sunshine in. It's been cold the past couple times. <laughs> yeah. How long of a ride is it? From the coffee shop here, it's just under six miles. All right. Not bad. Yeah, it's fun. Nice. That seems like a fun way to stay connected. Uh, What else do you do to stay connected and focused as a team? I mean, yeah, aside from a few of those things, team lunches, um, sometimes we will barbecue. We have two little charcoal grills and we'll I'll bring in something and barbecue it. We'll wrap up early and do a happy hour. We've been known to have a couple cornhole tournaments. And like we've mentioned a few times, those tricycle races, those are super fun. Yeah, we got to get that in the show notes for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked about a little bit earlier, but like how important do you think it is to have our offices and the DC in the same place? I think it's super important. Like I said earlier, because of that story that we're creating you know, having the office and the DC together just really keeps that cycle complete. You know, troubleshooting issues that have come up. And it just really keeps the flocks connected. It keeps the departments connected, even though the DC is so unique in the way we do things and what how we operate. Being able to be in the same space and see the rest of the team come in the building and get a few minutes to connect is invaluable, in my opinion. Yeah. And also, you know, a lot of companies, they, they don't have this and there almost becomes this us versus them mentality. You know, when you don't see people, and you don't interact with them, that builds up. And we're very fortunate that, you know, we're able to tear those balls down. We've always, we've had to work hard about it in COVID because it is different. But yeah, I don't know if there's anything to speak to that because for the longest time, we, we don't do it now because of COVID, but every new employee has to spend, is it eight hours in the DC packing boxes? It's 20 hours. 20 hours. So part of onboarding for years has been in your first three months, you have to spend 20 hours in the DC packing boxes that came from a place of understanding the importance of this role and the empathy because every other role gets to work from home Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And it just felt like, no, I think everybody needs to understand like how hard this job is and the importance of it. For sure. Yeah. A lot of people have said that having those few hours in the DC when they onboard is one of their favorite parts. So we love having people over there and yeah, it's great. Come join the party. (laughs) It was one of my favorite parts for sure. So we're on pause with that during COVID, but I think we're still doing the box folding competitions. Yeah. 
Yeah, we sure are. Always need boxes. Nice. Is that happening today? It is happening today. Yes. <laughs> Got a few new nice. hires. We're going to get them out there, fold in boxes. Cool. Who's the uh, all-time record holder? What's the time count they're working with and then uh, number of boxes folded? Do you recall? Oh, goodness. I believe the current record holder is Caden. Mm-hmm. And I want to say his maybe his two-minute record is... 80 boxes. Hot damn. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something crazy. It's something crazy. that I could be wrong on that, but it's up there. But it's definitely Caden. He is an amazing box folder. Yeah, the guy's a machine. He just pops the headphones on and like mm-hmm. just magic. Them in. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Let's land the plane here with a few uh, wrap up questions. What do you think your biggest fuck up is or one thing you wish you would have done differently? Definitely Black Friday, Cyber Monday of 2019. I... Mm-hmm massively underestimated the amount of time it was going to take to pack the specials that we were giving out that year. We ended up having to cancel a Tuesdays with Carl for the entire company and everybody came over to the DC and everybody helped pack. And while that worked to get those orders out the door, definitely should not have gotten to that point. (laughs) That's not a long-term strategy for sure. (laughs) Exactly. All right. What are some of the biggest shifts you've made to the flock? I think just giving it some real structure and identity. You know, I set really clear expectations for what the company is expecting of us and then also what the customers are expecting. So just really sort of setting those boundaries, putting those things in place, I think has been really helpful. Yeah, clear as kind, right? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) All right, what are you most proud of? Definitely our flock culture. Mm -hmm. You know, like we've talked about a bunch here today, like we're so unique in that way. I love that we can lean in on the hard days when it's really busy. And then, you know, we also can support each other and have fun along the way. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be the fuel that keeps you going during the tough times, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, right on. All right. So how about three cheat codes for anyone in a distribution center life? Oh, goodness. You've got to be able to know how to fit the most sunglasses in a box. <laughs> so it's a little bit of Tetris, Jenga-ing. Tetris is yeah, super Tetris, Tetrising, yeah, I guess Tetrising is a better reference. There. Yeah, a little Tetris <laughs> action going on there. De- like we say, definitely have to know how to fold a box. So ask Caden. He can teach you. Mm-hmm. And then also picking a good playlist. We have music going on <laughs> yeah. all the time out there. And if you can't pick a good playlist, then you're out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that's legit. At least half the conversations we were having in my time in the DC was like all music based. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Sarah. It was great to have you on here. Thank you. Of course. All right. Thanks, Stephen. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Be sure and subscribe and send us your questions at gooder.com slash culture. Until next time, be excellent to each other. Thank you so much for listening. Send us your questions, learn more, and find episode resources at gooder.com slash culture. If you enjoyed yourself today, which we're sure you did, we would be so grateful if you could please leave us your star rating and review. That minute and a half of your time, it really does help people find us. And don't forget to share us on your stories, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your delivery person who's probably listening to some other shitty podcast right now. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Culture Gooder and Stephen at Stephen Lease. That's Stephen with a PH because those V people are not trustworthy. Culture Gooder is produced by our in-house Gooder team. So many thanks to the Culture Gooder team and also everyone else at Gooder, really without whom there obviously would be nothing to even podcast about. At Gooder, we exist to give you the permission to be unabashedly yourself, unless you're an asshole. So don't be. See you next time. <laughs>